right, folks, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Rebel Weather Calls. I am your host, Eric, and joining me this evening, LB Muniz. How's it going, buddy? I'm doing well, man. Happy to be here. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, just the perfect person to have on, get, considering everything going on 90 miles south of Florida, right? Yeah, well, you know, it's it's I we Cubans try to play the Cuban card a lot, um, and now it just <laughs> now it's just working. So <laughs> something like that, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I I love all of the uh, the corporate press spin on everything. They're protesting because of vaccines. <laughs> yeah, it's you know I was just before we got on, I was um, listen. I, I was uh, there was a Reuters story that the headline read. Uh, you might have seen it that um, the headline read that. Uh, that these protests are going to spike cases in COVID. And I was looking for some angle to put on it. And of course, James Lindsay had already had the best take on it, which was very obvious, which was this time last year, we had, um, we had protests in the country that were ostensibly, if not explicitly Marxist in their origins. And those were deemed to be, um, those were deemed to be acceptable and not not only acceptable, but necessary and not contributing to the rise of COVID. A year later, mar- uh, marches and protests in a real country with real tragedy, with real poverty, with real strife, with real mass executions of the government. Right. That's that could possibly spike cases in COVID. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing how that works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't look behind this curtain. Yeah, that was like the uh, the first woke virus ever of all of all time. We even had uh, doctors coming out and saying that uh, well, the ills of racism are more of a public health issue. I Precisely. Like, I was like, really? That well, was a I glaring think, admission right there. And and the site, the news cycle, and Twitter and social media moves so fast. I think it's it's incumbent upon us to really reflect on something like that because yeah. this was just a year ago, and and it was ostensibly when we knew a lot less about the virus. Whatever else you want to say about what the public what the public yeah. health response should be to a situation, we knew a lot less a, a year ago. But this year, it's it's it's, it's unacceptable. We yeah. already know you can do mass protests and be okay months later. Yeah, but at the end of the day, to your original point, to exactly what the the um the the mass influence that's being that's being done by the corporate press in this matter is, well, no need to look over here. It's this is actually about COVID nineteen uh, vaccines, right? Right. It's be it's because they're not getting enough. It's sure. not because the people are starving, which they've been yeah. starving for years. It's because they can't get a vaccine. Maslow's hierarchy of needs is very simple, and the degree to which I've. I, the degree to which the corporate press has overplayed its hand in this is, is apparent to me, but the problem is I don't think it's that way to the broader public. <laughs> yeah, that, that being the problem. I, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. Uh, I've got people in my life that are as blue-pilled as it gets, and you like sit there and show them something. I was like, okay, here is the glitch in the matrix. Please mm-hmm. understand what this is. And they're like, well, you know, it could be this, this, or that. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, just that's that old Brian Regan bit where he's like uh, – you know, just unlearnable, just every, just new information is just bouncing off of the forehead. It's just not, it's not sinking in. Look at the end of the day, um, you know, as a philosophical skeptic, I do believe and, and, and would attest to the fact that ignorance is bliss. Oh, yes. Right. Um, and, and the real, what bothers me about egalitarian is about like the modern society is that people are led to believe that you can be ignorant and still have the convert and still have a conversation. Right. Um, yeah. Or have the conversation, if you will. Yeah, they, they get all the little training videos. I don't know if you've uh, listened to Monica Perez and Brad Binkley gets all the emails from like uh, uh, some of the leftist organizations and they go into mm-hmm. training. It was like, yes, the uh, the right will try to obscure the social problem with facts and uh, history and everything. Don't fall for that trap. 
know, just yep. continue to argue even if you don't know all of the yep. historical trappings of it. So I was like, right. it's like, wow, that's well, that's that's messed up. Yeah, I mean, obviously, with the space that we're in, I think we're we've kind of moved a little bit farther. But it's important to remember that a lot of conservatives and Republicans still think that that it's an open conversation to be had. Right. Um, and there's a participatory element as well at play, which is to say it's kind of each side kind of feeds the other. But yeah, people get their marching orders and they go with it. That's how these leftist organizations have operated for years. Um, I think Twitter amplifies that, obviously, but I, I don't know. It's it's something that I, I, I people there are people who are beyond contact in, in, in certain respects. Um, but that doesn't mean they... That doesn't mean they. That doesn't mean they're un, uh, they're not salvageable or they don't have value. But there's um, there's definitely something to be said for making sure you choose where your message is going to go. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a thing that that could be in play. This the uh, the old meme of the uh, the mind virus, where you're just going to kind of plant that and then just walk away, and then maybe a couple of years later or a month later, or whatever. It just whatever reason they just finally clicks with them. And uh, right. I, I thought I had some of my lefty progressive friends uh, when Donald Trump got elected, because now, now they're asking me about AR-15s and how to protect themselves and everything else. And mm-hmm. once Biden got elected, you know, a couple of them was like, well, can I just sell you back this AR-15 now that I don't need it? And I was like, oh, no, no, you missed the point completely. It doesn't, <laughs> doesn't matter which team the guy plays for. The, the, <laughs> the game right, is bad. <laughs> it's the bandwagon effect. And, you know, it's interesting as this relates to the you know, Cuba is a great example of this too, because these tactics have been deployed for forever. Right. Um, I will say in person, now I haven't spent a lot of time on the West Coast, so maybe that's where you see it. But in person, I've only ever experienced one person in my life wearing a Che Guevara shirt, right? And like yeah. the iconic picture of a Che Guevara yeah, shirt. But it's Los kind Angeles, of, you'll, you'll definitely see that, yeah. Which kind of makes sense given, you know, the larger uh, like Central and South American, because he has a slightly better image in some of those countries. Cuba was really where he was an absolute monster and an animal and murdered people. Well, sorry, you don't murder people because they don't call it murder, right? Right. This is what communists do. Communists lie. Yeah. Um, but I only have, it only ever happened once to me in growing up in the Midwest. And I told the guy about it and I confronted him about it. Uh, and he never wore it again. He didn't even know what it was. He didn't, and he didn't even well, understand. I mean, like, Admittedly, that's a really cool picture, especially mm-hmm. when you do it all silhouette like they like you normally see it it's a very yeah. cool picture stylistically you, yeah you just there's there's a disconnect between who the guy actually was well versus here's this I'll cool th- picture that we all have when you said that it reminded me so i had i was 14 years old my i got a laptop which was like a big deal at the time yeah. um and and uh, like for for school and stuff so i was looking for a background and i wanted to put a cuban flag as my background so I Googled Cuba and what pops up in Google image searches, course, but the Shay. Cuban flag yeah. with Che's face superimposed and revolution across the bottom. Right. So me, who was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm second generation, right? My grandparents are the ones who came over. My mother was raised in, in the States. So like I am, I'm very American, but I have Cuban roots. Right. Um, and it's, and it's a big part of like who uh, my identity and how I like conceptualize myself. But at the same time, I didn't know all the history as well. I knew that they escaped communism. So when I see revolution, obviously that means yeah. fighting the communists. Yeah. So I put it as was my a bad background. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, but no, well that I thought it was against the communists. And so my oh, mom had to okay. explain to me that, yeah. no, this is the guy that actually kicked your grandparents out of the country. He's the reason why he's yeah. the reason why we left. Yeah. So it was, you know, just, I was, I, like I said, I was like 14 years old. I didn't really know the history that well, nor had I really seen Chase face because uh, you know, I wasn't raised. I wasn't raised in a household that was going to show that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. 
Well, I mean, that's kind of good that she actually kind of sat you down and said, no, this is the reason why, you know, this is going on. And they didn't just like flip out and, you know, throw the laptop away or whatever. So, oh, gosh. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. it was, it was like, no, you don't want that. And here's why. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, Dave Smith has made this point before, too. Is like, uh, well, we're all offended by the Nazi uh, swastika and everything. And uh, nobody gets offended at the hammer and sickle, which, you know, obviously killed way more people. And just a terrible thing altogether. So, absolutely. Well, and it's um, you know, in particular too, just given the fact that I was kind of raised in a house that was very anti-communist, I kind, I, 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 I saw this well before it became like a conscious thing because we've only yeah. been talking about that really, you know, thanks to people like Malice, Dave Smith, and a few other people have really brought that to the fore. But this understanding that um, American elites have never had an issue with communism and they've and 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 by elites i'm talking about people in the media certain people in government all these different things there there's never been an there's never been the issue with communism that there should be and not all of that is due to world war ii propaganda it's not just due to that i think it has at this point in history i mean like what do we start how do we start our conversation today was literally saying that they're saying this is because of the COVID-19 vaccines, not because of communism. It's never yeah. real communism. You know, you talked about the tricks that they deploy. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. Oh, Venezuela is not real socialism. Yeah. Commun- uh, Cuba is not real communism or communism is just an economic order. It has no cultural implications whatsoever. Right. They're going to they keep they keep lying about it. And when you're when you're when you have that, like, I call it an inoculation, you know, given that I've been saying that longer than the past year, but it's it's kind of like an inoculation to where it's like, oh, no, I'm seeing this bullshit from a very yeah. young age. Yeah, your right? propaganda and so, has no power here. So in, I, listen, I think if I think if I wasn't Cuban, that I would probably be a very good Marxist professor right now. <laughs> That's a very high likelihood of that happening, yeah, especially I, here in the United States. So yeah, I mean, I was I was told once that I it would be very difficult for me to get into grad school because I wasn't a Marxist. Yeah, and, and they're you know they'll say that out loud with a whole bunch of people still listening. You know, it's not you know whispered in hushed tones, and it's like, oh yeah, and by the way, if you're a card carrying member of the Democrat Socialist uh, Party, you might be able to get in a little bit higher than you are right now. But you know that that's like, oh yeah, you should just be a Marxist. It's like. Uh, well, starvation, it's one uh, thing, Santa. gotta love it and it's one thing to be you know it's one thing to be passively not marxist but if you're ac- actively <laughs> yeah. anti-marxist yes that's when people really will take issue with you um and I, I didn't experience it too much in academia but not that i i mean i spent a long time in it but i never got very far if that makes sense yeah. um but uh, you know, like I never really, I never really experienced it, but I think I, I you know, uh, given that I can, I, I like doing the show and I like writing, I think I did a better job of defending myself than other people in, in, in another yeah. situation would. Um, but yeah, especially in that type of situation where you're not just, you know, playing to the echo chamber and you're actually having to defend your ideals kind of makes mm-hmm. it a little bit sharper. That's well, the reason yeah. why the left, you know, they don't understand the right arguments because they have, they have no idea what they are. And uh, I use the same thing with status. They have no idea what, you know, the, the V's behind me and everything mean. Yeah. And they, well, they don't like need to, to throw up all those straw men for us. It's like, oh, well, you just want to give babies heroin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Well, they don't need to. Right. So I wrote um, I wrote a piece at binawake.com, which is my sub stack, a couple of uh, like a week and a half ago. Uh, it's called your marching orders for CRT. Because obviously critical race theory is like really important. I've also written a piece called Why We Don't Need Intersectionality. I talked about that on my appearance on James Gentleman's show recently. Yeah. Um, 
But so, you know, from a philosophical angle, this is some stuff that I've tried to develop. And so what I did, but what I was doing in the CRT thing was kind of just pointing out the degree to which so much of our, so much of the conversation that we experience is really just talking points going back and forth. It really is a spectator sport, or yeah. if you will, or that, that, that people are still going to participate in the way people, the way drunk fans are going to get into a fight at every single Crosstown Classic in Chicago. Like the idea is philosophy hooligans. Yeah, yeah. but it's, but it, the, the rabble will always be there. Yeah. That's kind of like, like we, we look at, I think in some respects, you kind of look at philosophy as these austere old books that people read, but there's like, you know, I don't, was, was this Dave Smith? It was somebody, whoever it was, was brilliant, but it was the whole, it's the whole thing of like, you know, nobody ever said that the end of Rome was going to be so fun. It's like, <laughs> right. Like just that, just that, you know, like you don't, you didn't, um, or the end of an empire are going to be so fun. This is why I'm not a comedian because I completely stomped on the bit. But it, you know, it's like basically like the dude's like, "Hey, what do you, th- you?" You go back in time, you talk to a random person, you say, "Hey, what do you think about this?" You're in the last year of the Roman Empire. It's like, dude, I don't know. I got some popcorn and I just saw a tiger get get eat a man alive. I, I don't know what you're talking about. The economic system that's crumbling around me. I don't get. I don't get what you're saying. Yeah, Kaiser threw me a loaf people. of bread and I caught it. So yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> like that's most people. Right. Um, and I think what's interesting about the broader liberty libertarian community is that you're dealing with a certain subsection of people that it, like, there's a rabble element, of course. Yeah. But it, they're still not most people. No, that's very true. <laughs> yeah. And, and Fast it's, minority. It's, <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, as you know, Steven Pinker had a video out forever ago. I can remember one of my friends sharing it with me. Um, of saying that libertarianism will never have broad mass appeal because it's just a marginal idea. And he kind of got into more of an argument. I should frankly probably go back and listen to it because I think I'd be more receptive now than I was three or four years ago listening to that. Yeah, you but, almost want to dismiss it out of hand. It's like, oh, what does this guy know? But, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, it's Stephen Pinker, right? I knew yeah. he was smart, but it's like, yeah, but he, you know, he just doesn't get it. I, I know a little bit more. Um, but I, I certainly have seen more empirical evidence of that. Right. Just just of the fact that even if people like what libertarians have to say to choose to choose to identify as a libertarian, it still seems to be something that people aren't willing to do. And that's the part that that's the part that gets me. And and if I could be a little personal for a second, just because it's on my mind is I've had like a couple in I'm a single guy and I've had a couple instances recently where (laughs) like, oh, I thought things were going well. Oh, but then you mentioned (laughs) Well, people today want to bring up politics in um in in dating way earlier than I mean I'm not that old I'm not even thirty but like you know it just I don't remember that I don't remember I, even when I was like super political in college and stuff I don't recall people really talking like that in a dating context it was more of interest than it was of importance right. whereas now it's literally like oh okay no sorry we're not yeah, we'll swipe we're not left. hanging out yeah yeah. No, not yeah. Swipe left, unmatched. Don't want to go on a second date with you. Like I've had it all at this point. Um, it's it's you know so, but it's so like it, there's nothing that's gonna make a man change his mind faster than <laughs> than a woman not wanting to spend time with him. So it's yeah. I think it's I think it's it's something that I'm like I'm kind of contending with myself right now in my own like in my own conception of things. But yeah, I mean if you're in the dating pool, I just ah, man, I wouldn't even bring it up myself i wouldn't either i don't that's the thing is because i'm you know i'm this guy right i'm lb muniz i'm a guy who does who writes a lot like you know i write at least i try to get at least three articles out a lot of weeks i do four articles a week at binawake.com 
and a weekly podcast. Plus I'll do interviews like this. Plus yeah. I'll have people on my show. Like I, I love this stuff. Right. Yeah. But I also, but it's cut, but in my mind, I look at it kind of like, you know, if you're a, um, if you're a touring musician versus somebody who plays at the church on Sunday, right? Like it's, it's, it's like, it's, it, there's a level of, there's a level of skill and there's just a level of obsession that I have about these things that I recognize puts me apart from other people. Now that's the libertarian community is kind of an exception to this, but in jet, but like we're talking about the broader public. So I try not to bring it up exactly. But I, what I found is, and you know, I'd be interested if other, you know, if like if your audience has experienced this, especially if they're, you know, single guys, but, and girls too, just how much, um, how much it's become something that it's, it's an automatic sorted mechanism. Like I'm sure it happens just in my profile alone. I, you know, I don't really want to do AB testing with it. So I haven't tried to put like progressive and, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I don't want to do that, but it's, um, you know, it's a real thing. Cause there, you know, I think that, I think finding somebody, if it's what you're interested in settling down, having a family is far realer than, you know, discussing esoteric ideas. Right. And it's, yeah. and it's far more concrete. So it has, so, and as a consequence, I think it's of, of greater importance. Um, yeah. Definitely so, yeah. when you're talking about, you know, the potential for bringing children into this world to, uh, you know, to raise as your own and everything else. Exactly. And what I've certainly experienced and, you know, I'm in a place, I, I live in Chicago. That's not where I'm talking to you now from. I'm, I'm deep, deep in the heartland right now, which is great. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I live outside of Chicago. And so, you know, there's obviously a cultural effect that occurs there too, but, yeah. um, but it's, but like what's, what's been very um, apparent to me is how real it is. Like it just, it's, it's peep that girls want to know very, very, very quickly. Not when you're buying them drinks, but usually afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, Wait, before you, you know, buy me this drink, did you vote blue no matter who? Yeah. Well, I, okay. But here's the story. I had a buddy. Um, I was a um, buddy's leaving town. So I've been, go I've been hanging out with him. He, you know, he likes to go out to nightclubs. I, I enjoy a nightclub every now and then it's just not like my normal scene. Right. Um, but so, you know, we go, they, you know, you do the bottle service thing. You're dropping a little bit of money. Now people want to come and hang out with you. Yeah, of course. You know, yeah. women in particular. And the women will sit there all night. And then th this happened was we were going to another bar. A group of them fell behind because they were kind of like, well, why are we walking with, why are we walking? Where are we going? I'm too drunk. I'm in a strange city. I don't know what's going on. Just like <laughs> right. not understanding what was happening. And they kind of forgot I was there because I hung back because I'm not a bad person. So I wanted to make sure they got to where we were going safely. Yeah. And they just started like trashing the guys that I was with. And like, fair enough. Some of them might've been jerks, but yeah. like they started trashing. And then, and then the point is that, so they're just going on and on and on. And then it comes out. I was like, and he was a Republican. Oh. That's the problem. They're all conservatives. They're just all Republicans. It's something like that. And so then they caught one of the girls realized I was there, looked me in the eyes and said, are you a Republican? And no. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't matter. You know, yeah. like if I told her it was a libertarian, she would say like that. She would probably say, I don't know no, what that is. Or she'd say that was a, that's basically the same thing. Yeah. Basically the and same it's, thing. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah, just this. The, it's, oh, you're just a Republican that likes to smoke weed on the weekends. I was like, right, right. And, okay. Well, and like, let's be real. I don't even think I don't even think these women would have that developed of thoughts, and certainly not at the level of inebriation yeah. that we were all at. But so right. I kind of just laughed and I said, "What kind of a question is that?" Is just a way to a way to pass it off, and then said, "I'm far more dangerous than a conservative," because um, <laughs> I thought it because because that thought amused me. But like, <laughs> but again, going back to my point, that's still most people. 
So yeah. how do you know, and I'm, I, I'm in sales, you know, so like I'm trying to figure out how to meet people where they are. How do I enter into a conversation? And I, I will say that's the part that I've been struggling with. Yeah. I think, you know, my show is an attempt at that. My writing is an attempt at that. I've written about how I'm trying to write. I'm, I try to write things and I think I accomplished that, that people in the out group can still learn from. And, and yeah. one thing I've noticed kind of, because I've been do, I've been writing and being a little more like being active on Twitter for about a year now. Um, I I was like a little more involved in 2014, kind of producing content on a regular basis and being affiliated with different groups and stuff like that. But one thing I've noticed from from then till now is that the broader Liberty Sphere, if you will, the you know Liberty Twitter as it's called, these different spaces are um, are are highly um, focused on the in group. Yeah, they're they're highly focused on and, and it makes sense, right? Because, OK, I'm a libertarian. How am I going to attract viewers? Well, I should say libertarian things, right? There's a feedback effect there that that's yeah. that's kind of natural to when you're competing for attention. But uh, what I try to do is, uh, you know, and I try to keep this present in mind is when I write and when I produce content, I'm trying to do I'm trying to produce something that if you don't if you're not familiar with the same schools of thought that we were like, you know, if you don't recognize the V behind you and understand and understand the context of that even if you don't understand all the specifics if yeah. you don't understand what the black and gold means what the v means with that i think you can still benefit from the stuff that i write um and you know i, I think i think I, I think i do results with that and i think it's worth um it's worth pursuing that angle because that's you know that's how you bring new people in yeah and i've always said you know when you're talking to your and kinsella has this this great term for him called the status muggles and, uh, you know, when you're talking to these people, uh, you, you do have to kind of employ Scott Horton's rule. You're going to attack the right from the right and the left from the left and just kind of got to get a gauge for who you're actually talking to. Because uh, yeah. once you get them on board, at least with the non-aggression principle, I found it gets a little bit easier after that, especially I'm down here in the south of Louisiana. This is, you know, deep of the Bible Belt. So yeah. if I can work in the golden rule somewhere and that'll kind of catch them a little bit off guard and they're like oh wait and that's like yeah now you can apply this to the state and you know government in general mm. <laughs> and they'll usually start thinking but they'll usually you know well what about cops what about the roads what about military and courts and everything else and then it's like okay well this is like more hours of conversation that we need to have <laughs> you know, yeah, I can't, right i can't flip you in an hour so it, and, and you shouldn't and you shouldn't and i think that's where um and and i you know i'll caveat what i'm about to say by understanding that twitter is something of a cesspool right like oh, yeah, it yeah, breeds yeah. a certain it like because i'm learning this because i'm trying to get better at it because i want to attract more eyeballs i want to attract more followers it breeds a certain type of speaking that yes. purposefully um that, that purposefully removes context from anything uh, you yeah. know, so like I, for a while, my pin tweet was Twitter is constant in group signaling that the out group sees like yeah. that's that that explains those were however many words that was that explains most of the spats and misunderstandings that you see on Twitter. It's yeah. usually something that was meant for a certain group of people and somebody who's not in that group either gets their feelings hurt or they completely take it out of context. And, you know, we saw it this week with the Cuba situation, certainly. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, like like I'll be honest, I don't. Yes, I agree that the sanctions should be lifted. Right. Like, so I'll, I'll caveat that. There you go. There are yeah. my libertarian dogma bona fides. Okay. But that's not why the country is failing. Yeah. Right. Like the country is failing because of the communism that's existed there for 60, 70 years at this point. Right. Yeah. Like that's why the country is failing. And to get hung up on the libertarian dogma of, well, economic sanctions don't hurt the government. They hurt the people. 
completely misunderstands what's going on. And, and yeah. like, you know, for somebody like me, it's, it's always, it's, it's fascinating when these things happen because I lose my normal detachment <laughs> that I, that I, that I pride myself on. There is right. something visceral. I like it, it, you know, just to be completely honest with your audience is there's something visceral that happens when I hear things like Patria y Vida. Like when I listen to that song, which is a great song, Patria y Vida, I highly encourage people go listen, watch it on YouTube. It, um, it has English subtitles. So you can, you know, like you can follow along if yeah. you don't speak Spanish, but like this song was released in February of this year. It's very recent and it is a protest song. It's the type of songs you would think we would see in the United States, given the state of our government, but we are seeing it as Pete, we are seeing it in um, artists who have fled Cuba yeah. within the last, even, even post Fidel. Right. Which is, um, which, which certainly gives me hope. Yeah, yeah, and I've you know I've been down to South Florida before and kind of hung out with those old Cubans down there, and uh, you know they have no good words about Castro and and things that go on there, and you know they're still very concerned, you know because a lot of them still have family that wasn't able to escape, mm -hmm. and uh, when they're talking to the younger generation, the younger generation's kind of like, oh well, you know that's just the thing we see on TV, and it's yeah. like no no no, this is more real than you think it is. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, and those a lot of those kids went through American public schooling um, and, you know, they they were raised to believe that America is a great country. So, of course, we're going to listen to what the people in America say and what the schools say. And what you got in that American public schooling was nothing about the horrors of communism. No. Like I said, I was kind of just unique where I had it in the household. Right. And then I went, I also was fortunate enough to go to private schooling, which I think helped a little bit because if anything, the indoctrination was more about making you Catholic than it was about making you a good yeah. leftist. Yeah, especially right? the Catholic private school. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it wasn't, it wasn't the focus the way it would be for like maybe a, a high school English teacher who was a, who was a commie. Like, you know, I, I know, I, I know of a guy, he's, he's a, D, he's a nice enough person, but I, you know, he took, he's a public school teacher, um, high school, and he took kids to Cuba. And like came back and was like, you, you know, you, none of you understand. No, I just went to all the Potemkin villages. So I understand what Cuba is. I've been seeing, I've been looking at pictures of the dilapidated buildings in Cuba and the bare shelves since I was a kid, man. Like yeah. since I was a kid, nothing has changed. It's only gotten worse there. And it, it is a beautiful country and the people are beautiful and the culture is amazing and the food is delicious and the music is great and the women are beautiful. Right. And they suffer because of it like and and they suffer and they suffer because of the government that they live under yeah um and the question that i've been really struggling with um and i'd encourage people to reach out to me at beenawake.com if you have an answer to this is what does regime change look like in the world without the u.s involved yeah that's a sticky one yeah it's one that i'm really struggling with because like we've seen it you know, Hong Kong is, I got it. There's, I want Hong Kong to be free, right? I want it to remain free. Yeah. Will it over the next 20 years? I highly, I, I, I wish I could say, I, I believe that it would, but I'm not sure. Um, well, it had, the, it had the momentum and then all of a sudden we get this, uh, this comic cough and uh, next thing you know, right. like all the well, protesters are locked inside their house and now they can't come out. Well, and this is really the, um, this is really part of the evil of empire too. Yeah. Right. Like if if the United States, this is I, I, I don't love making arguments like this, but it's it's useful for this context. If the United States was the government that people in the country that people thought it was right, like it would be 
it would be better, but that's just wishful thinking. Yeah. What I'm driving at is the fact that, you know, we can depose Saddam. We can depose, we can, you know, we can subvert the Ayatollah. We can take out any random leader in Libya, North Africa, because that's okay. But, you know, across our border, 90 miles from our shore, yeah, we're not going to do that. Yeah, just like, no, we've, we've tried that. And we have all these failures about, you know, exploding baseballs at a baseball game and mm. exploding cigars and all of this. And we just kind of made yeah. it like a laughing stock. And listen, I don't want to do it. That's my point. That's the point of my question yeah. is what is this is because like it, but it, but it really shows the evil of the empire because the empire is concerned with nation building. It's not concerned. It's not, and it's not even concerned with like real cries for freedom, which is what it's supposedly, which is what it supposedly is, you know, yeah. in the name of. And certainly a lot of the people who are in the military believe that's what they're fighting for is the freedom for the freedom of Americans and other people. Yeah, but it's, it's like even question. special, special ops. They, their, their motto is, you know, free the oppressed. Yeah. And, and yeah, exactly. It's like, you, you can't know, do this if we're and... doing all these little political shenanigans and sanctions and yeah. everything else. That's not doing Yeah, instead they're getting dropped into a place like the, a place like Ukraine. Just, just yeah. to why? Because that further, that further destabilizes things in that part of the world. And that's beneficial to the United States empire. Yeah. Um, but I'd, I'd like to chew on that question a little bit more. You know, I've kind of been doing it. I, I'd like to see other people working on it as well, because there is something to be said for the fact that I think there's always going to be diminishing returns, right? Like this is an economic principle that I think you can apply to other areas of life, yeah. given that, you know, where if we're both Austrians here, we understand that economics is also just a logic, a science and a logic, if you will, of human action. So I think there has to be diminishing returns on there. There has to be diminishing returns on something like communism. Obviously, the Soviet Union yeah. fell. I think there has to be diminishing returns on something like uh, like banking. There are also and this is the scary part is there diminishing returns on empire. And we're starting to see those now. And that's exactly why we're that's exactly why we're witnessing the. Um, we're already in the midst of alienating an entire portion of the American population that I think you and I are both part of. Yeah, like it's it's starting to get. I I was talking about this back in January, the the scapegoating ritual that we're all living through right now. Um, these trends are not super difficult to see once you kind of look for the patterns and you know what you're looking for. But I mean, the empire is coming home to roost. We're we don't. I was just thinking recently, we haven't heard anything about radical Islam lately, huh? That's interesting. Yeah. No, That's because we're talking domestic about terrorists. Yeah, domestic terrorists and radical white supremacy. And the reality of the matter is is that you know the 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 uh, it was it's just as overblown right yeah. as, as as we both well know like you know of course there are radical segments of islam but it's not it's not really the entire religion although there are certain theological aspects that lends itself to radicalism and political action that you don't see right. in christianity but that's a technical argument it's not really yeah. it's not really rhetorically yeah, useful a little bit more to do with the u.s being involved in their you know domestic affairs since the uh, the 1940s you know <laughs> yeah right and and then the question and so the question becomes absent absent u.s involvement in the area would the religion would the religion change or would the religion need to be so fanatic and i think the answer yeah. is obviously no um because if you had seen the middle east actually able to you know as, as its own cohesive region right uh, as if you, I, 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 this was just a posit. I, you know, I, after the breakup of the Ottoman Empire, I think you would have seen a much more stable Middle East if it wasn't split up by the British government. Right. And, you know, if it wasn't, if it wasn't France, America, and the United States thinking that they could split the world up, like it, we would have seen a much more stable Middle East. 
And so, yeah. yeah Especially just drawing lines on a map, but make no sense. Yeah. You know, you're not even right. taking into account the people that live there, you know, that's yeah, exactly. And, and if anybody's curious, that's the Sykes-Pico line you're referring to, right? Yeah. 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 Sykes-Pico. You can, you can look that up if you're interested. Yeah. Watch the movie, uh, Lawrence of Arabia. There's a, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And the other thing with, especially with Islam is they haven't had a reformation ever. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's the religion that they're teaching is what was taught all the way back from 600 AD. So, and there's, you know, groups here in the United States that try to get some of the Muslims around and they're trying to reform the way that the, that the religion is practiced while still keeping true the, to the Quran and everything. But you're not going to see that over in Saudi Arabia or Iran or anything like that. Well, I mean, to the contrary, in Saudi or Saudi Arabia is the biggest export of Wahhabism, which is a very, very uh, yeah, strict. strict interpretation. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there, it, yeah, reformation is reformation is an interesting word in that context um, because Islam probably is Islam is more closely related to like Protestant Christianity than it is Catholicism. Yes. Um, which which is to say that there isn't this there isn't the hierarchy, which is another which is another issue. Um, and then I, you know, ultimately I think it comes down to tribal, tribal types of things that go back centuries as we see consistently. Oh yeah. I mean, we even saw that up in Afghanistan. I mean, you can say that they're Muslim because, you know, they do practice, but all of their stuff is based off of, you know, well, this tribe lived up in the Hills and this tribe lived down in the Valley. They don't like each other too much. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, and again, just talking about the evils of empire is we're, we're just trained for 20 years to think that all these people are the same thing. Yeah, they, they just it. represent a monolith. Where have we heard that mm-hmm. before? So yeah, right. It, it, that's why I'm an individualist. You know, that's that's why that's why I try to talk about it because, um, it you know, like I think that. So I think that humans have three basic drives. Um, you know, you're probably familiar in an enlightenment perspective of instinct and reason, right? And I also mm-hmm. think that faith is just as important to instinct and reason. Um, this is important because I think instinctually we have that monolith within us that is like an actual instinctual drive that can be activated and that can be used by other people against us and also it's a very useful thing right it's the i think it's the amygdala that controls like fear and that's like the lizard portion of the brain if i'm getting terms wrong i apologize um but you know there's that just that fight or flight us and them the very simple binary that we kind of naturally sort things into as human beings that operates at the instinctual level we have to understand that we can't deny it the way that people in the enlightenment would say like it's just all about reason or our capacity for reason individualism is a function of reason it requires training it can be but it can also be culturally reinforced to where you don't have to just like you don't have to read the entire bible to understand you know that god so loved the world so he saved so he sent his only son so that that whoever believes in him you know just and we can shorten that phrase to john 3 16 which you've definitely seen a million times in your life oh yeah of course these, you know, complex ideas operate at these multiple levels. Um, and, and I think individualism is one of those ideas. Yeah. I mean, so the, the left likes to, to pick on us about the, uh, the rugged individual. Oh, you know, you guys think you can just go live out in the woods by yourself. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, I know I can, <laughs> you know, I, I know how to uh, baton wood and, you know, cut kindling and uh, hunt and everything else. I, I could do it by myself if I had to. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's just the thing. I'm also a social creature. I don't want to. <laughs> right. You know, I, I like hanging out with, you know, people like you and like other people. It's like, let's go have a drink. Let's uh, let's talk over some uh, let's talk over some stuff. Maybe have some jokes. You know? Yeah, exactly. I, you know, there is um, what the left does very well is they take a myopic ideology 
yeah. then they affix that myopic ideology to monolith to a monolithic caricature. Yeah. Like I just saw something like Robert Reich, who was Bill Clinton's labor secretary that for right. some reason is still relevant on Twitter. Um, you know, he just tweeted today about trickle down economics. One thing that I find like really frustrating lately, and it's and I, I don't know, we'll find out the solution, I think, soon enough, because I think we're on the precipice of some really interesting things. But like interesting, you just, keep using that word. <laughs> need, what the what? Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. but but no, but I was gonna say we need better words. Yes. Like, 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 you know, I just, I just think about this all the time. And I think about this generational aspect to things. And it's like, like what relevance does trickle down economics have post 2008, post 2012, post 2016, yeah, post 2020, like what relevant does trickle economics to have when we're talking, we've had QE, we've had quantitative easing, we've had $6 helicopter trillion money. dollars printed in four months. You know? Exactly. <laughs> what, what does that actually mean in this context? It doesn't mean anything, but you know what it does do? It activates something latent in people's brains and they say, yeah, I don't like trickle down economics. I'm going to like, I'm going to retweet. And like, that's <laughs> kind of a terrifying thought. It's like, yeah, you don't even know the term trickle down. <laughs> right. You've been just conditioned over your life to know that when someone says trickle down economics, that just equals Reagan and that also equals bad. But this is this is how they maintain social control. And yeah. I think it's I think it should be the duty of libertarians and liberty minded people to try and expose this and to try and show and to try and demonstrate it as much as they can. Yeah. Like, so if somebody were to ask me what racism is, I would say that racism is the oldest and most persistent method of social control in America. And it doesn't matter what direction that racism is going yeah. because it's about creating an other. It's literally that simple. And it's just, and what we do is what we, what people, what not what we do, but what people do is post hoc justify this ideology. So no, 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 no. You don't understand. This is about systemic racism and writing a historical injustice. Like, no, they want power. And yeah. so they are it's going to manipulate you to maintain their power. And it's, um, I think that's a terrifying thought. And if I could be so bold, I think even a lot of anarchists and, you know, hardcore ca anarcho capitalists and anarch and all the anarchists of any flag, so on and so forth. I don't even think most I don't even think a lot of them have really contended with that idea that yeah. it because because I can say personally that I didn't for a long time. And it was kind of radicalizing over after Trump, but then especially after after the lockdowns where it, you realize just how nefarious it is it's not even a question of true believers, right? Because um, Pete Quinones just tweeted out a Solzhenitsyn quote, which was yeah. like, you know, they lied. You know, they lie. We know they lie. They know we know we lie and we all still lie or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, these are the times we're living through right now. And it's kind of, <laughs> but we, but we can still talk like this. So it's not, it's not as, um, that's the beauty of technology. And that's yeah. why I think ultimately, you know, technology has created a world that means you can't you can't put the genie back in the bottle. You no, can't the, put the tube back in the toothpaste. Yeah. So I was, you know, I take that as a white pill because we, we can still get on the Zoom and you know I can put this out you know here in a in a few days and everybody will be able to hear it. And then uh, then you start getting a little bit black pilled and I was like, but there's still these people that, that will just go along, you know. But here's, but that's a good that's a good segue because I I put out today a poll where I asked the question, is nihilism uh, yeah, synonymous yeah, with, the, with a black that. pill? <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, and it's, and what's interesting is I'm learning that it's not according to most people, which I would, which I would have disagreed with this morning, but people have presented some interesting arguments. Um, I just in general, I would say like, and maybe I'm interpreting the word incorrectly, but like the black pill 
it's my well this is really my argument against nihilism which i just think nihilism is boring yeah like i just think it's i and and moreover i don't understand the person who's gonna who's literally who's going to devote their precious time and waking energy to saying well everything is shit so screw you yeah that's i I don't get that person (laughs) i don't get that person either i i've personally never been a nihilist uh i have joked that i do you know i'm on a steady diet of black pills but i mean that's just well so what does it mean for you then if you don't mind my asking well black pill just means you know everything is fucked but mm-hmm. at the same time i microdose the white pills so i said but there are things that you can do to get around it and yeah yeah practice the status jujitsu if you can so if the they're passing laws and everything else try to figure out the way they're gonna weasel around it just yeah. like with these mask mandates they all had sections in there for exemptions mm-hmm. you know and if you knew that going into it then walk into a grocery store with no mask on right <laughs> you know? yeah so i mean there's a little bit part of that you just know that the statists are just after power and that's all they ever have cared about they don't really care about anybody else mm-hmm. and once you have that understanding then you can you know adjust how you're going to move through life yeah no i i think it is like a jujitsu or it's or, a, or more, maybe a little more akin to like a judo yeah um that you really that, that you really should do uh yeah, because you focus don't... their energy against them mm-hmm. exactly um, yeah, it's funny because I don't know. I guess I guess I kind of understand that the system is collapsing, but I don't look at that as a black pill. But maybe that's just because I'm crazy. I don't know. <laughs> Chuckles ain't collapsitarian, so yeah. <laughs> we love Skip around here. We we absolutely don't. So, <laughs> but yeah, that's like uh, when you're talking to people, and if you can just just get that little thing that's just going to eat away at them for just a little bit, it's like mm-hmm. it's like, oh yeah, especially with my conservative friends. So when you're talking to them about, you know, flaunting, you know, state power and everything else, and you're just like, well, you know, they had these businesses around that just said, well, you can pass whatever law you want. We're still going to do it. Mm-hmm. And then when you tie a marijuana dispensary in with gun rights, and then they're just kind of left there with their jaws hanging open. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah they, they still sold this product, even though the federal government said that they'll, you know, arrest them and throw them in a cage. And I was like, and that's a marijuana dispensary. And you just see them just go. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, yeah, it is, yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. It is always interesting when you, I mean, I remember, I remember talking to a professor of mine once, this is somebody with a couple degrees. They didn't know who, they didn't even know who Hayek was like, like, you know, forget, That's forget not, I, the guy won the Nobel peace prize. Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't, maybe I didn't mention, I, they might not even know who Milton Friedman is. And we lived in, and this was a school in Chicago area. Like it was, <laughs> it was on Donahue. Um, I think they might have the the individual in question might have even have gone to University of Chicago. So I don't want to speak out of turn. They're they're a lovely, they're a really really nice person, um, very very good to me. But it was just like it was just that jarring moment of here's a very educated person who's never even come in contact with the ideas that I've been immersing myself in for like you know at the time it would have been four or five years. Right. I read I read Road to Surf them when I was eighteen, um, and that kind of started my. That's journey. a heavy book to read at eighteen. Yeah, well, you know, I had already read a lot of other <laughs> books by then. So it was uh, my, yeah, my, my, my tío, my tío Calito, who became a cardiologist when he came to this country. Um, and, you know, yeah, he told me, he's like, this, this is the book you need to read. This is the one. So, <laughs> right. and, I, and I wrote about, um, in particular, I think not, that wasn't, I've realized in retrospect, I've realized that it wasn't my first red pill. It was my second. So I can tell you about my first, which I've never talked about since I've written my first red pill, where I talked about how me, um, Hayek discusses his use of the word liberal and how it's been so changed by, um, Ameri- by in America to where the meaning is completely devoid of its roots. 
And yeah. that that understanding that really has really has a lot to do with my intellectual journey and like why I conceptualize identity as a paradox. And I try to understand things like what I've coined linguistic drift and how do these things change? Why do they change? Um, how can it be that a word like liberal can co- become something completely different from what it, from, from, from how it was intended to be? Yeah, it's um, you know, it, it's I don't think that that's not the panacea. That's not the that's not the cure all. Right. But that was the that was the springboard for my intellectual, a lot of my intellectualism. Yeah. And speaking of language, I mean, no better term than anarchy will just immediately give everybody the minds, the mind's eye of, you know, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome and everyone's got mohawks and uh, football equipment with spikes on it and everything. I was like, oh, you mean that? I was like, no, that's chaos. Mm-hmm. Well, but, but then we saw, but then we there. saw the left-wing anarchists out there doing what they do. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, you know, it's a, it's a great thing to say before the streets were burning and before we had autonomous zones in the United States of America. Right. Like you know, it's, uh, I, I, I can understand because I had the same conception that you're talking about. You know, like a very, a very uninformed perspective of, of larger anarchist thought, and I'm profoundly influenced by anarchist thought. I just consider myself a skeptic, so I, you know, I can. I can have fun and say that I'm not going to come to a final conclusion on any answers until we, you know, get somewhere. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but like, it's one of those things It's you know, and I've talked to people and I have them on my show. The first thing I asked is like, how do you identify what schools of thought do you belong to? And a lot of times what people will come back and say is like, well, I'm, you know, an anarcho capitalist, I'm an anarchist, so on and so forth. But I don't call, I don't say that to people because they're just going to think I'm Antifa. Yeah. So there again, and that's, that's, that's in a sense, and I talked about this in my podcast two weeks ago. I haven't written about this yet because I'm still not done working it out. But that's that's in a sense like kind of the starting point of why I think identity is a paradox, like philosophically speaking. Yeah, I mean, you can say one thing and be doing a completely different thing. So, I, I mean, we all have people like that in our lives. <laughs> they say one yeah. thing and, you know, it's like, uh, you know, the dad that tells you, is like, well, you shouldn't be going out and cheating on your wife and everything else. And then, you know, it turns out he's, you know, got several girlfriends in different cities around the country. You know? <laughs> yeah. Or, or, or the or the ever the ever classy, uh, you know, like light cigarette. Don't yeah. ever smoke, kid. Yeah. <laughs> These things will kill you. It's like, well, yeah, OK, exactly. you're sending me mixed, <laughs> mixed signals here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all crazy. It's all crazy. There's. Mm-hmm trying to wrap my head around it and you know i'm 42 years old and so i didn't even come to this stuff until i was into my mid-30s so i mean when yeah. i hear people you know reading these books at like 18 19 and that some... i've talked to some guys that i've talked to like i talked to a kid recently who's brilliant and he's 18 years old and he was talking about how when he was 14 he was more of a political nationalist but now he's be, now he's become a rothbardian yeah and i'm like at 14 it was a question of whether you supported bush or gore in the 2001 election right. for me, like, you know, I'm, I, I turned 29 tomorrow, um, you know, July 15th. And like, it's like, you know, for me, it was like, it was Democrats and Republicans, but the internet has opened the world up so much that these, you know, that's, it's crazy yeah, it's, how people come to the ideas now. Yeah. And you just like, you're sitting there when I was at Childerberg and you talk to some of these people, they, they've been in it since they were, you know, 13. Yeah. You know, cause their dad was a, you know, a card carrying libertarian you know, mm-hmm. capital L party and everything. And they had all the books around, but I guess you know, it's like some of it rubs off a little bit. And it was like, it's like, where's the rebellion? You should have been an ANCOM or something. You know? <laughs> well, I think ironically enough, this is so, so there's a, 
this is this is a little esoteric so we can we can unpack if we need to but like okay i think the left in some respects because because we have these words nobody knows how to use them everybody uses them differently and that's what makes them i guess that's what makes them so elusive but like one thing we've witnessed is the left becoming the right if you will oh yeah horseshoe theory yeah it, it's, yeah, but it may be horseshoe theory. But what's interesting is how the, what will happen if the right becomes the left, and that's kind of I think in this um, with this like uh, with like popular liberty with with the king pilled with the post libertarian, which I'm not a fan of that label personally, but I like the guys involved. Yeah, um, I think that's more of just to get a rise out of the capital L's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and it's and you know, like they even said, it's some, it's it's a name. What are we going to call it? Um, it's, but I'm I'm all I'm here for it because I think it's a I think it's a natural process of skepticism. My my point is, um, historically speaking, uh, the the left and the political left was able to push people was was able to, if you will, you know, this is kind of the Jordan Peterson thing. Of yeah. you know, it's like we're getting to smaller and smaller, smaller marginalized groups. If the whole idea, the whole conception is that we're trying to bring in marginalized groups into the whole, then what we've done is we've moved to, to smaller and smaller groups. And as a consequence, they've completely captured every single institution. And they so and by default, therefore, they become the right, you know, because like we have yeah. this word conservative. But in, in England, it would have been it was also the traditionalists. Yeah. Right. So like there's this and tradition and conservatism are kind of linked in a political context the way liberal and progressive are. So there's this. Um, so what happens when the tradition is convinced to, to what you were saying before, when it is that horseshoe effect or when it is just like the circle, the eternal return of the same, as Nietzsche would yeah, put it Ouroboros. like, yeah. yeah, it's it's this thing where where I think that's that's one of the things we're witnessing. But we've never really seen the right ever have to be the left. Like yeah. if if temp, if politics is a consequence of temperament, we've never really witnessed. And I think that I think it's kind of starting to happen in this broader libertarian space, which is what's interesting. Um, we can quibble over whether right is the correct term, but it kind of goes it, it's kind of beside my point, which is it's not just enough about conserving or maintaining something. It's about building something better because this is about to end. Right. Uh, and this is about to be destroyed. And I think I think it's an interesting thing. I don't I can't I personally wouldn't know of a time in history. You know, it'd be interesting to learn of one if somebody can look for it. But you usually see I can't this, think of the, one. Nothing's coming to mind. Well, you know, the last time we really had this was perhaps, you know, some people would say World War One. But really, you know, if you want to trace it back to you could also look at um, the founding of America. Right. And yeah. let's bring it back to the Cuba. Let's bring it back to the Cuba hook. What is my what my grandparents tell me is we were able to come here, we were able to come to America. We we still had a good life. We didn't have to live in poverty. You know, they were they were very successful for themselves. They, it, it we don't there's there there are places to go, but it's not as readily available as an entire unexplored con, continent. And you know we talked about the positives before of technology, but the negative side because there's always costs and benefits to everything. Yeah. I'm far more of a balanced person than I am a polemic. Is um, the the bent the cost is that it's it's a lot easier to control people, oh, yeah. and and that's you know we're seeing and we see the consequences of this. And there's um, yeah, that's the this is the shaky ground, and it's and it's exciting ground, but it's also you know it's not for without caution. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think we'll we'll ultimately end up figuring it out. Whether or not that'll be too late, who knows? It's uh, well, 
Yeah, I like to say that, you know, <laughs> nobody has time to wait for the philosophers. Like, I love doing, philo I love philosophy. I love applying reason to situations. It is truly a passion of mine. It's why I write so much. It's why I do this show outside of a very time-consuming job that I have. Yeah. Um, that, that I also like, like, I like my main, I like my main hustle. Like I enjoy the work that I do, uh, currently, but I'm really, really passionate about philosophy. But what I've been talking a lot about recently is the, is, is understanding and recognizing the importance of praxis or the importance of, or what I would call application. I've heard other, you know, other people have used the term praxis. Yeah. Um, but, but it's the actual application of ideas and it's, it's, that area of philosophy that I'm most interested in. I'm not interested in creating an ideal world. I'm interested in taking ideas and applying them to the real world in a way that can be used uh, concretely. Yeah. And, and, and what you're, and what you're actually looking for is the ideal neighborhood. Yeah. I, I don't that really might... need to take on the world. I just need mm -hmm. two square miles. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Well, this is kind of, um, this is kind of in Candide in Voltaire's Candide. Where it's, uh, you know, it's this, uh, his, his teacher, Pangloss, who's this representation of Leibniz, who was, a, you know, if, if people don't know the name Leibniz, it was a very influential, he was a very influential philosopher kind of before the scientific revolution. Um, and his, one of his things was that we live in the best of all possible worlds. So like, cause like he had this, he had this uh, cosmology that he called monadology and I don't want to get too deep into the weeds with it, but basically he you yeah, know they, came up with, they can google it so. yeah and, and, and i'll be writing about this too if, you, if this has any interest to you that's kind of the next stage of my project is actually doing more like like um less commentary and more uh more teaching of yeah. like okay so here's this thinker here are the fast facts here are the basic things that you need to know so that'll uh, i you know that, those are kind of some of the things i'm starting to work on in addition to the uh, more cultural commentary where i apply philosophical ideas all the time and i'll quote you know from places like nietzsche and i try to make it topical and relevant but basically um you know he is a multiverse theory you know he had already kind of conceptualized the multiverse theory but he conceived of the fact that this is the best of all possible worlds and so in 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 con in voltaire's candide pangloss is oh you know pangloss gets his head ripped off and he still says it's the best of all possible worlds well the <laughs> end of that book is quite famous because you know it's like okay you've just traveled the world you've been to el dorado you've been to the city on the hill you've been to the golden city right yeah okay what, what do we actually have to do what what is the um what is the actual uh, what is the actual lesson? What is the what have we extracted from the universe? And the answer is, well, I'm going to go tend my garden. Yeah. Yeah. Clean your room. Like <laughs> yeah. th this message. This message is eternal. Like it, this weeds. message. Mm -hmm. Make, you know, yeah. Remove the moat from your own eye. This message. This message repeats itself across cultures and is and is core and is correlated to success. And as long as you're willing to as long as you're willing to answer the hero's call. You know, some people don't like to talk about heroes anymore, but if you're actually willing to, if you look Adding at life Joseph as Joseph Campbell in there, look at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. But it's like, if you're willing to answer the hero's call, then you can find that adventure. And it, the tough part is, the tough part is starting. And then the, the really tough part is the discipline. Yeah. But it's, 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 it's it, well, it's worth it if you want it to be. If you, like I said, ignorance is bliss. If you want to do nothing, then I'm not really sure why you're listening to us talk right now, but <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it nonetheless. Yeah, no, it's, it's been uh, fun. We, that was one thing that did stick with me in the army besides, you know, besides, uh, you know, breathe, relax, aim, squeeze and all that stuff. It was uh, discipline is doing the right thing, even when nobody is watching. Yeah. That's yeah, tough yeah, my for dad. a lot of people. 
my dad a long time ago and it it was sage advice early days of the internet before you know this was before i had a facebook i maybe had a myspace um and it was it was something that he was taught as a kid but you know it's like don't ever do something that you wouldn't feel comfortable having put on the front page of the paper yeah that's a good one that, it, tomorrow yeah and it's um i certainly i don't know i think um I, I've you always defend had... your actions in court, sir. Yeah, right. Exactly. And like, you know, that's not to say we don't make mistakes, but it's a question of what direction are you going, man? Which right. way are you heading? And are you making sure that you're treating yourself with enough care that you're not making a fool uh, that, 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 that you won't be taken as a fool? Right. Because nobody likes to be treated as a fool. Yeah. Now, and even after the fact, I mean, especially with this whole journey, when you're sitting there trying to talk to somebody about being anti-war you know yes i don't want uh people thrown in cages for drug possession problems i and then trying to get them to understand it was like okay I, I i want prostitutes to be legal it's not saying that i want to go to a prostitute myself you know this is like this the constant back and forth with some people just kind of like uh just please understand this <laughs> yeah right well, I've I've really found that um and it's and it and it comes across in like podcasts too. It's why I love long form as it's yeah. been come to be called. Uh is it really takes it it takes like an hour and a half. If if somebody is if somebody is not receptive, if there's somebody's in a mind to be receptive of your message, it doesn't take any time at all. Right. If somebody is um if somebody is like receptive to you, but not necessarily to your message it's going to take about an hour before yeah. you're even before you're even talking to the person like like really like you, you know because every we all have these defenses that we put up in these situations and we yeah. all have these and our Talk mind is each other all the time and everything and our mind and you know like part of that is a function of how our brains work because we're always looking you know we're always trying to economize or even our biology is trying to economize things that includes brain power right like it's 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 it is the case that it's a lot easier to think the thing that you've been thinking than it is to change that. Those are literal neural pathways yeah. in your brain. I don't know exactly how it works, but I think it's something like that. <laughs> but like these are literal neural pathways that have been burrowed into your brain or like in the synapses and the neurons, what have you, like the various connections that are made. And it, so that's it's just that it's just a warning. So it's if you don't have an hour, don't be surprised if somebody doesn't even come close. <laughs> like it's it, just just the reality of it. And I've been in situations where people are like, I don't. I don't understand why I'm agreeing with you. And you're just, it's, da, da, da. it's like, yeah, it's okay. Like you don't have, because suddenly they feel like they're losing their sense of self, which is another really important thing. Yes. Why I talk about identity is um, and like, you know, like I kind of was getting at before a little bit. Like, I think some, I think some of that's happening with the term libertarian right now. And this is a term that I've identified with for pretty much my entire adult life. And I still do, I still will. Cause I don't know what to replace it with, but, um, but, but, but even it, it even happens there. Yeah, like it, yeah. it's start, it's uh, it, and if you lose your sense of identity, and we've seen this, we've seen this in, we saw this in 2016. The, the left lost their the lot, the left uncoupled from reality. We saw this in 2020. Yeah, that, the right uncoupled from reality. Yeah, that was a collective you know, brain breaking right there. So exactly, and two really big ones for each half of the country. It's not coming. I don't think you can put Humpty Dumpty together again. No, and it also happened for the right as well because they believed that a 1950s big labor Democrat was a conservative. Mm -hmm. Well, you can listen, you can go into my, you can go into, I, I don't know what episode it was, but in December, I 
put out an episode. The title was, is, is, um, what's his face is Giuliani playing Mueller. Cause it just, it was very, it was starting to become clear to me then that there is a huge element of the Mueller investigation here vis-a-vis, uh, you know, the word that we're not, the, the, the thing we're not supposed to talk about, right. uh, that occurs every four years. And sometimes people make mistakes. Um, you know, the latest like it, with that is that Donald Trump will be back in a matter of days now because they'll, they'll yeah. make him the Speaker of the House. That man is, you know, it's an interesting question if you want to figure out the person you're talking to. Like, if you don't appreciate the savvy of Trump at this point, then I know that you're I know that you're taken up with some kind of ideological possession. And I'm not even going to blame you. Right. I'm just I just happen to be interested in, like, how do you use influence? How do you use rhetoric? to change people's minds and to get them to do things. Why am I interested in this? Because people in positions of power have been trying to do it for a hundred years. So why don't I figure out what they've been trying to do? Yeah. Like it's not a, it's not an exaggeration or a so lie. You can get that inoculation that. against their bullshit. So. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That's, that's what I do for, you know, for the, for the price of Chipotle, if you want to be a subscribing member, I will give you, and I will pass out vaccines like they're candy every single day of like coming after this bullshit as it relates to propaganda and influence and, and, and things like that. Yeah. All, uh, it's a very worthy cause too. So yeah, <laughs> yeah even if we convert least. just one, that's all, that's all I'm really looking for because one becomes two in no time. Exactly. And, and, you know, and if you build, if you build something for yourself and you know, people, people will respond to that. Like why, you know, why, why, why do, why are we all doing podcasts right now? Because people we respect do them. Right. And it's like, the, and I think it's also this new and interesting way of like communicating with people. And it's kind of like, if I come on a pod, like I can more easily talk to somebody freely talk to somebody on a podcast, even though you're a complete stranger than I can with like, you know, members of my extended family. Yeah. Cause I know we're in a frame of like openness and you know, we, it could be, con- it could be conflict based too. I'm not opposed to that. Um, I, you know, like some heads up going into it, but like, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, exactly. well, like, but that's, but that's what we're doing it. Right. Is we see people, we respect doing it. We've seen people meet being met with success. And so uh, if there's success in it for them, there could be success in it for us, right. which is why, which is why we're doing it. And we, you know, we do these in other aspects of our life, right? Like, you know, your boss is really good. So you figure out what your boss does and you do it better than him. Yeah. Like this is a natural, because one day you're going to be the boss, right? Or if not, and if not, then you're not going to get anywhere. You know, then, yeah, if you're not, true. then you're going to wake up and find out that you're in the, you know, where you've never, where you've always been. And also if your boss sucks, you can also just take those as lessons as well. It's like, okay, that's what I'm not going to do. So <laughs> yeah, precisely. <laughs> well, I think it's a pretty good place to uh, drop it off at uh, LB. Why don't you go ahead and give out all your plugs? Yeah. As I've alluded to a few times, guys, if you're interested in following my work, you can join me at binawake.com where I, uh, where I endeavor to give you philosophy that is entertaining, uh, topical, relevant, and, you know, is also just me kind of working out ideas. I also release a solo show every single week, interviews sporadically, um, premium content, if you would be so kind as to consider donating. I'm offering a 50% lifetime discount to the Substack if you subscribe before September 6th, which is the one-year anniversary of my first post. Thanks. Nice. And uh, your Twitter handle, because we'll uh, try to bump up those uh, those followers. That would be awesome. You can follow me there at the LB Muniz. That's M-U-N-I-Z. Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, you won't have to search very hard on the internet because all of that will be listed down below in the show notes. So you can click on that if you want. So other than that, LB, thanks a lot for playing along, man. This Absolutely. Was fun. It's been a blast. I actually didn't know exactly 
what all you were doing, but you know, I'm glad that we had this talk. <laughs> well, you know what? That's the thing. Like anytime I see somebody who's looking for an air, like, yeah, I'll do it when you want to do yeah. it. Like I'll hop in. <laughs> I think it's, that's the fun of it for me. Yeah. So if you do want to be on the podcast, you know, just reach out and ask, I, I might let you on. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, man, we'll take it easy. We'll uh, catch you next time. Okay. Sounds great. All right. And there he goes, folks. LB Muniz. That was so fun. Uh, glad that I got him on the show. Uh, so yeah, we're definitely gonna have to have him back on because I need to continue my uh, philosophy uh, hooligan talk. But uh, as I said before, check out down below in the show notes so that you can find all of his links and everything and uh, definitely boost up his, uh, his uh, Twitter account. So. But also, if you uh, check down there in those uh, nice little show notes, you can find all the ways that you can help support this guy and my little endeavor here with content creation. Uh, I've got to Patreon, subscribe, star, float, mines. Uh, you know, got a PayPal, Cash App, and all that stuff. Uh, I have an Amazon wish list, and uh, occasionally I receive stuff from there. Uh, nobody ever tells me who it is or whatever, but uh, thanks nonetheless. Uh, if you guys want t-shirts and everything, that's going to be at rebelwithacausepodcast.com forward slash merch table. And uh, I'm going to try and start throwing up some new de- new designs up there to you know keep, keep everybody guessing. <laughs> so anyways, guys, uh, take it easy. We will come at you next week with a brand new episode of... Rebel with a pause. Yeah.